And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly emails where I share actionable SEO and website, B2B marketing tips, useful goodies, podcasts, and more. Give it a try if you like over at businessgrowth.emails. Today, I've got Yag Ganesh. Yag's the founder of SaaS Sprints. Yag, welcome to the show, sir. How are we? I'm doing fantastic, Sam. So good to be here. Nice to meet you. And uh, I think this is going to be a great conversation today. I've no doubt. I've no doubt at all. So today we're going to be talking about why content fails without a point of view. Excited to dive in. So first and foremost, Yag, for anyone that's not familiar with this concept, like why the heck does content need to have a point of view around it? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a fantastic question. Great place to start. See, fundamentally what happens is everybody creates content and in the world of SaaS and that to the times that we live in today where probably everybody's trying to use generative AI like ChatGPT or BARD to create content, it's like the opportunity and ability to create content is so easy all you have to do is give you give a few prompts generate content try to optimize it for seo and then boom it ranks but what happens is slowly and steadily it creates so much of content that is going to be invisible in the sense that you know it's going to create great content that can be optimized easily but imagine this scenario you know you go online you search for something and every time you search you often see a couple or you know three or four um, companies that often gets listed in the top 5 and they rank for every single thing and when you click on it you go and see that almost all the five links give you the same set of pointers just regurgitated here and there and there is no clear takeaway but on the contrary Point of view is the way you actually go and build trust. So I'll give you an example. Um, sure. Before starting SaaS Sprints, you know, I used to work for a company called Avuma. And um, one of my biggest um, reasons to join Avuma was that, you know, there was Gong, there was Chorus, there were all these conversation intelligence tools in the industry. But this was one company that was not telling a story that every other company that was trying to compete with Gong did. You know, everybody else was saying that we are a cheaper gong. We offer 80% of the things that they do at 20% of the price and that kind of a same story. But mm. these guys went the opposite route and they said, hey, we have a point of view towards how we're solving this problem. You know, we think that every meeting has a life cycle, set of things that you do before, during and after the meeting. And these are the different areas that we go about solving. Now, I'll not go into the pitch of the product, but the idea is that they had a clear point of view as to how they're solving the problem, why they look at the problem in a certain way, and how should you approach it. If there is nothing unique about you, how would you attract people? You know, how would you build trust? People will build trust with you only because, you know, certain people who believe in your viewpoints and think that, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now show me how. Then you're having a conversation. Otherwise, it's like, okay, the same um, set of pointers that everybody is talking about. I can Google and get it anywhere. I can get mm. it from HubSpot, I can get it from HBR, but why should I believe somebody from this domain expertise if they're not having a point of view? Mm. Yeah, great, great place to start. And it's it's so true, especially with search engine rankings. Like when you search so many terms, especially in the B2B technology space, um, you 
depending on the sector, you'll see the same few vendors pop up. And like you said, the issue that there is, Yag, though, is that for many of these terms, to actually get them ranking, they need to be in a certain format to match the user intent. And I suppose that's where a lot of those companies struggle because what they probably do is they see the top three companies ranking in organic search. They see, okay, they've done this as a listicle or they've done this as like a how-to or they've done this as an in-depth walk through case study. We're going to copy that. We're going to add a bit more content. We're going to make a few tweaks and hopefully we'll rank ahead of them. So I think it's just a constant rat race. Whereas I think what you're getting at is perhaps take that framework, but stick your own unique point of view in the, the content that you're yeah, together, sometimes it's also saying? it's also about you know uh, picking uh, topics from the same standpoint. You know, for example, you would see a HubSpot suddenly talking about um, you know how to create a GIF that has nothing to do with what they sell, but just because they're talking and you think that I also want to rank, I'll also follow the same strategy. I'll also do the same set of things. But hey, you are a startup. You know, at this point, it's more important to focus on set of things that will help you at this point. And you are at a different stage. You're at a mm-hmm. different maturity curve. You know, don't copy somebody who has been there for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So how important is it to have a point of view? Like you've, you've mentioned the company you used to work at and you've mentioned there's a point of differentiation. But what's the kind of impact they can have? Yeah. So the impact is in every single thing, you know, there are opportunities to tell different kinds of stories. Um, You can look at, you know, it can even become your way to kind of build your content pillars. Okay, this is my point of view. What does it mean? Right. So uh, it means that, okay, when I, if I have to take the same example, I would say, okay, what do you mean by a life cycle? Then you have an opportunity to explain that. Yes, it might not have a lot of um, search volume, but what happens is in the beginning stages, it actually helps you to build a loyal audience. It, I'm not saying ignore SEO. SEO is super important. I know I'm a marketer. I'll, uh, I obviously understand that in the initial stages, you cannot completely go demand gen. You have to have a combination of demand gen and demand, demand capture. So what you have to do is when you have a point of view, you also have to start listening to the conversation of your customers, you know, and saying that, okay, um, what are the kind of questions that these guys are asking? How do I marry this question? Because if they're asking these questions, these are coming up consistently. And I also have a point of view, but all of these conversations are actually happening over the sales calls, but I'm not able to put this out at scale. Then Listening to these calls is going to give you a perspective that, hey, these are the five things that keep coming up. I need to create content on this. You know, I need to scale this. And now why is point of view important? It's important because that tells you that this company exists for a very specific reason. You know, they are not also ran companies, but these companies have an approach. They have a DNA. And because of these things, these are the kind of features that they're going to build in time and again over a period of time. And this is the direction that they're going to go. And the beauty of point of view is that you're going to divide that point of view into two aspects. Set of stories that you will tell your investors because the story that you tell your investors is probably what's going to happen 5, 10 years down the line versus what your customers are more interested in is what can you do for them today. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are two entire different things. And when you have a point of view, it's going to be somewhere in the middle, but it's going to, you, you're going to direct that flavor into what should I tell my customers and how does it relate to them right now? And how does this relate to investors right now? And um, what is the kind of belief system that I'm going to inculcate within the company so that 
every single person who is creating content on social media or in a blog or through a podcast or on youtube videos that dna kind of flows through otherwise it's going to look like everybody is creating content and it's going to look like multiple islands that are not connected to each other mm mm yeah yeah so you've mentioned some good points like creating content around customer insights and listening into to what prospects are saying you mentioned early stage companies Yeah. So if you're up for it, yeah, I think what would be quite fun is if we recreate a little scenario. Let's say we are an early stage, let's say software company. Yeah. Yeah. And where we could do cool recording software, something like Avoma or Gong, or we can yeah, do any. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not bothered about the niche. Sure. What I want to get into is how soon. Let's say we've got a early stage company. How soon do we need to think about building our point of view? um on our messaging on our content etc is it something we need from day dot from from right at the start or is it more important to try and get a few of those early stage customers get some cash in the bank get the revenue flowing especially if we're bootstrapped as opposed to funded um or is it something that's fundamental before we kind of do any of our marketing or selling efforts right so i wouldn't say it's uh, you know you have to have it from day one it's not easy to get it from day one so what's going to happen is when you're building your product regardless of what your product is you know um, as a founder you're going to take a bet because you believe in a certain set of things and you want to do things in a certain way and um, you are picking a lane because that's your belief system so that can be a starting point which you can lay down uh to the organization most of the time what happens is you know uh this can be translated this way when you hear a founder selling the product versus the first a coming into the company and selling the product you would see a drastic difference between the way these two sell the first person tells a story wherein because he or she has the awareness of where they come from the mistakes that they've done in the past the kind of customers that they've spoken to what has not worked and then they are going to come up with and say that hey i tried all these things these things didn't work and this is what we learned and that's that's the direction that we are going so that when you come up with an obstacle i can say that yes that's great but why are you saying that you know your point of view helps you in two things one is when you are making a feature request to me in a conversation like that i'll be able to rather than saying that yes let me take a note and get back to you in the next call after discussing with my engineering team or rather dig one level deeper and say that why are you saying that why do you need this and once you understand that then you say that hey you know what maybe that approach will not help you in the long term because of x y and z and we our product is developed in a certain manner because this is the vision and this is the long way to go and this is probably our suggestion so all those things are going to come from your point of view and those point of view is going to be built and refined over a period of time you start somewhere and um, you know i would say every quarter or so or every month or so depending on the volume of customer conversations you're going to have look back and see what resonates better and mm. say that okay this is where i started this is what i believe in and this is what is working between these two is where you're going to actually arrive at your point of view and it's it's going to happen over iterations and you cannot start from it you have to take a pick but then refine over a period of time yeah 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 and from your experience is it typically like a strap line like a website headline is it a massive document or is it somewhere in between or what does it actually look like in tangible terms right right so um it's in most initial starting stage companies you're not definitely not going to have it as a document unless you know um, maybe that's why i would highly recommend that um, you know your first marketing hire if 
somebody smart enough they will start with a product marketing hire because they are going to lay down the messaging and positioning and the story in a document they are going to come up with a message house and saying that this is and here's why i say that because you know every single person explaining a feature are going to do it differently based on how they look mm. at it but once you lay down a common way of explaining i'm not saying make it a boilerplate everybody should use the same set of words but make it a starting point you know from there you say that in your own way and that's a starting point and then your website every single page is going to be a translation of that you know it's it's very difficult to look at a company's website and say that hey they say this maybe that's what their positioning is not really you know uh, some company might say that i might have 20 things to do but here's where you start you know that can be what the home page is and then when they're serving multiple personas they can have a point of view for each persona you know how do i help sales people versus how do i help customer success people so you're going to have different stories but the dna is going to be common which needs to be captured in the form of a message house and that needs to be branched down into every single thing that you do and um, again that doesn't mean that it's so sacrosanct that you cannot deviate from that you can be experimental but every now and then you also need to update that got it so how early should we start creating pov content like what what timeline does that come in roughly i would say you know that's that's a good place to actually start you know one of your first few pieces of content can directly be that so here's why i say that you know uh, once you become bigger you probably have to start talking about um, every uh, keyword on earth because you know you're try- trying to capture volume but in the beginning um here's where i actually believe that it's not only point of view here's where i would directly uh, correlate that to product led content which is okay. something that i truly believe in what i mean by that is um, you know you're you have minimum set of time and when you have a smaller subset you cannot burn bridges every single person coming into your website you want the conversion rate to be way higher and um, you know maybe initially you're just getting about 50 people visit your website and out of that you want at least five of them to uh, sign up for your product and start a conversation with you so how do you do that you pick a topic which talks about a particular pain and uh, when you talk about a pain you're not directly selling the product through that product led content what you're actually doing is you're showing them that how to go about solving this you know if say for example um i'm saying that hey do you use a conversation intelligence tool but do you know that um, 75% of the sales people who use a conversation intelligence tool don't even listen to sales calls i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense you know i have invested in gong i have invested in this product but yes of course why does it happen then you tell a story saying that hey you know what uh, the reason is imagine that you have um, five sales people on your team and each of them are doing about five demos a day that's about 25 demos every single day right and uh, with that each demo being about 30 minutes it's going to be roughly about 750 minutes of uh, calls every single day as a sales leader do you have that much amount of time listening no what do you do you rather use ai where the ai listens to the conversation it scores on the parameters that you define and uh, then it tells you that these three calls did not hit the mark because of these things and i'm scoring this low now you know which calls to pick so that you can coach your team based on that now you tell the story it hits the pain point it also talks about the story and you're also showing how it solves it you're not selling the product you're just saying that this is how i use the product to solve this mm. that becomes an interesting proposition and that's what i call it product led and one of the best examples in the world is how hrefs does it every single person you know um who before even signing the product 
they know how to use it they know what problems to solve and the funny part here is that you know somebody says hey do you want a backlink this is how you use hrefs to do it and the best part is href is not going to give you backlinks it's just showing how to do research but they are showing the product in every single story that they say mm. so that's what i mean by that and you I need think, to do this in the beginning as soon as possible i don't think you can beat hrefs marketing and that's not, i'm not <laughs> biased because they used to sponsor the show and they do every now and then but um they actually make every new hire sit on customer service i think it's either for 2 weeks or 4 weeks just so they can listen into customer calls and customer questions and queries get yeah. all those insights before they do any marketing work which is incredible i've never heard of a company doing that before absolutely their content is awesome huge mm. fan yeah for sure for sure um so yeah you mentioned a, a good point there about kind of building out topic around pain points and then digging into those problems and eventually talking about kind of how your offer would address those if we're early stage like is this something we have to do and how what does that actually look like you're like are we talking to customers to or prospects to find out what those are and then building content on that around that straight away or what what are the steps we take i guess to take a step back into actually understanding what those problems might be building out that content um what does that kind of process look like Yeah yeah so i would you know uh, divide this entire pain points into two categories you know i would say um, the first order pain points and second order pain points what i mean by that is uh, the set of problems that your product immediately solves for that's your primary pain point again going by the same conversation intelligence example you could say that hey i help in sales coaching i help you in uh, probably booking and scheduling demos i take notes for you um all these you know four or five points now you talk about those then you can build a list of topics around that you can say that okay when it comes to note taking you can talk about topics like um hey you know while you are in this kind of a conversation uh while i'm also manually taking notes i might miss some key things that you're saying you know and um, the problem is when it's an internal conversation yes i can you know go tap the shoulder of a person and ask that hey i you said something in the meeting i missed it but you cannot do that with an external customer or you cannot do that with a prospect so um you know recording and having a tool that does all these uh, note taking would be fantastic so you can build topics like that but what happens is 90% of the people stop at that you know it's it's just about those first order pain points now beyond a point you're going to have uh, you're going to stop getting pains that you want to address right so if your product is just solving five or six problems or probably two or three problems then you might at best come up with some 20 different titles but what are you going to do after that right so that's where your adjacent problems or secondary pain points come into play wherein you're going to say that okay what are uh, what are the users of this tool also uh, going through so somebody addressing uh say a tool like hrefs they they can probably also talk about um crms you know they can also talk about emails and then the idea is because you know you are also going to understand that the set of people who are using your product also use these three or four other tools so what are the pain points that they uh go through in that area maybe your product does not directly address it it can be bit tangential but you know if it can connect to it Hmm. so for example an email tool and a crm tool can be a great combination 
or a dialer and a conversation intelligence tool can be a great conversation uh, you know combination or a conferencing tool and a meeting assistant can be a great combination or a calendly and a google meet can be a great combination you know you can start picking up these kind of pairs and say that okay the same set of people also go through these problems let me help them solving those problems and genuinely build trust and uh, once they consistently see uh, and uh, you know they build trust with us then over a period of, and the logic behind this is very simple the logic is that uh, you know i strongly believe that going forward it's not going to be pure play people searching uh, for a topic and landing on things it's going to be about people will begin to uh, search with certain uh, domains certain people uh, for specific topics what i mean by that is for example if i want to learn anything about martech i'm always going to see that what is uh, probably scott brinker talking about this or if there is anything around positioning i'm going to think about what is april dunford saying about this if there is something related to uh, you know seo i'm also going to think okay what is um, tim sulo going to talk about this so there is this set of topics where you also have to build authority as a person and build that trust so that once you do that then people are going to think that hey these guys what do they do they also do these things let me go and see what they talk about that and then the chances of you uh, building trust and also coming up with topics that is of high relevance and making sure that even if you expand this is not the typical top of the funnel content where you are coming up with uh, 10 topics and that doesn't even make sense to anybody else because that's trending but the point is you are still tangentially talking about something that is very relevant to your core audience so the secondary pain is that it's not about what you are not solving it's also about are you still talking to the same audience and you're catering to them first mm Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with results today. You mentioned competitors there. I might have misunderstood this, but was that part in terms of alternatives? searches because i know you mentioned like if you're doing a scheduling tool it might be like i don't know calendly v chili piper or something like that is that the kind of queries you mean or is it something slightly different just so i understand yeah, fully yeah. so no when i said um, secondary problems i'm talking about complementary problems also not necessarily competition uh, so um, you know alternatives are a different set it's like uh, there the story is very different right so i'm going to uh, say that hey if somebody is going to compare calendly versus some other scheduling tool then it it's more of a feature and a point of view combination where mm. it's going to say that hey calendly takes this approach to solve this problem whereas i take a different approach uh, i mean one of the best uh, comparisons i've often seen is probably also drift and intercom they uh, you know drift comes out and says that hey these guys are great at support but we we are great at sales and marketing 
you know same um, tool but they say that this is the dna is very different so that's the different story but i'm talking about when i say secondary pain points i'm talking about i cater to the same audience but today i might be a conversation intelligence tool and i might not be building my own uh, zoom competitor but i'm saying mm. that hey if you're using zoom maybe uh, you might have often noticed that zoom does not um, take notes for you and uh, the if you're if you're attending 10 calls every single day back to back you might miss so many things does it resonate with you yes so this is how you go about solving it there is a connection to your product but it's not direct but you're helping uh not the set of people who are comparing you against gong but you're actually talking to some other audience because somebody who uses your product will obviously be using a conferencing tool for sure so you're just addressing that audience and are we building the, the this content in the hope that it will rank for when people search for the problem or will it be for a relevant keyword or will it be for a mix of both or what's the kind of strategic play here yeah. is it is it a captured yeah. demand process on google organic search or a bit different yeah yeah so it's to me it's going to be a combination of both maybe i can give you an example um it so happened few months back that uh, you know i once heard my a um um on a call where um she was being asked this question that hey i see this thing called filler words in your product and uh, i know what filler words are and i know that this is showing me uh, the set of uh, filler words that uh, i might be using in every single call but does it um you know how does that help me you know does it mean that the number of filler words that i use um may have an impact on me closing the deal and when i heard that i was like wow that makes a lot of sense you know uh, that's a great question why don't we have content around that and when i started developing content around that i was like okay this is a great question and when i went back i researched and i got three points i said that um, you know when i reviewed all the calls that we had we got three factors one was that uh, hey just because you uh, use a filler word it doesn't mean that you're going to make or break a deal number two if you're using 75% filler words for every 100 words you speak you're going to come across as you're not prepared you're not uh, you're probably uh, you know a bit tensed nervous and you're not sure of what you're saying number 3 if you're 100% clean it's going to come across as too plastic to rehearse and it's not very original as well so once we saw these three things then i was like wow we have the answer but how are people going to find this then i went to hrefs and i found that uh, the number of the search volume for the word filler words was about 6000 per month i was like wow we have a great combination here you know you, you have to make these two work together so that people who are searching for that keyword with the combination of whatever uh, pain then we are going to uh, cater to the intent plus volume so that magic happens there mm mm what are your thoughts on <clears throat> um building out those kind of pain point plus keyword when on tools like hrefs or semrush they show zero search volume but you know you're getting a lot of prospects raise that objection or that query so in your head you know it's you know there's demand for it because people are asking this question or raising this issue all the time but when you look on the tools it shows up as zero or maybe 10 searches a month <laughs> no it has happened to me all the time i'm smiling because uh, you know i've faced this situation n number of times and i've always gone with the thing that if i'm sure that this is a question that's continuously coming up on sales and um, let's go ahead let's not worry about the volume 
and many a times you know it has happened that that particular topic has always resulted in uh, you know 30k 40k deals every single month over a period of time so it works so ultimately you know here's here's the uh, here's here's my uh, interesting point of view towards that uh, it's that many a time if you go behind search volume it's great it might rank it might bring in a lot of traffic but will it convert you can never be sure so always prioritize the pain points and always prioritize the angles that are more relevant to your product in fact i even would say that um, go with the prioritization matrix wherein if your topic does not have scope for mentioning your product or your point of view don't prioritize those topics mm. that's nice um in terms of getting the content that you build to rank yag do you have a process for doing so yeah yeah you mean uh, the how to build the topics yeah so say for example you, we can go with what you just mentioned there like filler words like you can yeah. you can share with us what the full keyword was in a sec and then yeah. um when we're building out that page just like you say quite often and it might not be the case for this because this might be a low search volume keyword yeah more competitive terms like you say you might search on google the top three organic results are much of a muchness, very similar in terms of the content, the framework that they build. I'd be keen to know, because I know what my ideas are, and I, perhaps I can share these after, but what's your process around actually, yes, we know what we're going to target now, perhaps we're going to go problem in our niche, but how do we ensure that that content's actually going to rank page one, so it's actually going to get those prospects to click through the page and have a chance of getting that sign up or that demo request or whatever CTA we're after? Yeah, yeah. So um, I often actually uh, start with a different approach. I, um, to me, um, the the search volume and keywords comes much later. So the way I go about it is, um, you know, for every quarter, I typically build a um, couple of pillars at a time, and I say that these two are the pillars that I'm going to focus. And it's going to be either based on a product release that's coming up, or uh, you know, um, or if we want to build domain authority and topical authority on certain topics, then we are going to pick those things. And once we decide these two pillars, then we are going to come up with uh, a list of things that we want to address in that, you know, what are the kind of questions? Now, just like I said, um, in the sales coaching example, I said that 75% of the people don't even listen to calls. That's a problem that we've often heard. And similarly, uh, you know, it could be something else. If people are looking for a certain kind of data and they are not getting it. Or um, this is how people approach coaching. There can be anything like that. So you, based on all that you have heard consistently, um, talking to your salespeople, talking to or hearing calls, and also going by your own understanding of where you want to be, and a combination of your point of view that you want to put out. Maybe so many times, you know, the point of view content is also that you want the market uh, to approach things in a certain way. And the, for, let me give you an example with that as well. You know, uh, mm. for a long time, um, there has been the VC people tell you that, hey, either go product led or either go sales led. Uh, and many times I've personally believed that it's a combination of both that's actually going to work. For example, um, it doesn't mean that if you're product led, you should not have sales assistance. You know, it's it's like walking into a supermarket wherein you're all alone picking things from the aisles. But when you're not able to find something, you still are looking at the corner of your eyes, there's someone that I can reach out to, to ask for help, you know? So when you have things like that, you're going to list those topics. And once you have that, 
then you're going to look at okay let me match the nearest keyword for all these topics um so that there is a volume for that as well and all the efforts that you put in don't go to waste uh, there is mm-hmm. a search as well and then the next point is from there i think about i don't just land at ranking on search alone as a key term sometimes i don't even worry about it i think that okay where are these people hanging out maybe let me create those platform specific content in those places alone and uh, many times i also arrive at ideas from communities you know it's it's sort of a content arbitrage so to speak wherein you go into community and you see that somebody is talking about these five things again and again around the core topic that you actually solve for or they are talking about a competitor and they are telling a list of things that they don't like mm-hmm. those are factors that you can actually pick up and then create your piece of content and the, the best part about that is now you know that the topics are battle tested people are your target audience is looking for that content and that's their opinion around it now when you say that hey here's how to look at it and here's a better way to solving it either they're going to agree or disagree but they're definitely going to take a look at it and consume that content so that's how i go about it for me search volume and um, seo aspects come secondary i'm not saying it's not important but for me taking that point of view and taking a stand and being different becomes way more important than being better and ranking higher mm yeah yeah it's, it's a fair point because for certain categories certain industries certain niches like they might not have a ton of people that yeah. are on going to google and then looking for that offer or looking for that problem or whatever yeah. and like you said you might be better creating a podcast <laughs> or creating a youtube video around it or yeah. posting it on linkedin or wherever that target market is hanging out it's, it's a super valid point yeah. that makes perfect sense um any unusual cases yag or anything a bit different to the normal kind of taking problems from sales schools you mentioned community there um or taking kind of common questions or queries that the sales team get any slightly lesser known ways that you've kind of created this point of view content or product led content that you've kind of gained insights from this source and then put that into play and it's it's kind of really resonated and, and had success uh let me um let me specifically think about it i think uh, it's not about a specific way or this thing but i would say that maybe you know uh, i would like to think about creating content for um, stages of usage rather right. than uh, um, let me ex- let me explain it this way um, a lot of people think that you know you need to create content for top funnel mid funnel and bottom funnel and uh, one of my key learnings is that um, probably that's that worked in 2010 in the early days of hubspot but that's not how it works right now i would rather you know when i um, consume a piece of content and if i find something really interesting and i think okay this exactly solves my problem i'm immediately go uh, going to go and sign up for the product or at least take a trial or maybe talk to the team and see where it is and and here's the beauty of it right so uh, one of the interesting conversations that i've been having in certain communities and the insight that i've derived is that um, a lot of times we tend to lead with um roi uh, kind of a uh, content you know we talk about hey to do this to achieve this to do this you do this or um, drive revenue with this and my point is if everybody starts doing that every single piece of content or across all websites across all saas is going to look the same unfortunately 
um, in the last six months with the kind of uh, layoffs and all the things that were going on in the market, pretty much every company um, started to come up with the same kind of messaging where you can save money by doing this, you can consolidate by doing this. Mm. But the problem is, you know, what people don't realize is the people who are buying your product are not the people who are giving you the budget. You know, maybe the CFO or uh, the CRO is giving in the budget, but somebody else is actually using the product. And um, here's the thing, right? So if I buy a toy for my kid and uh, my kid says it sucks, I'm going to go and return it, right? So I'm the buyer, but the user is my kid and he has to like the product, right? So that's the same logic that goes on here as well. And you need to understand um, how people are looking at it, what's important there. And Mm -hmm. then you have to make sure that if you can reduce the cycle, uh, instead of creating tofu, mofu and bofu content, top funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel content, try and reduce it. Nobody has the time to uh, go and consume 12 pieces of content before they sign up. It's going to be like, how can I reduce the number of steps? You know, if I can um, just put it in one blog or at best, if I can put it in one snippet of a video Mm. and I can say that this point is communicated here. Unfortunately, we uh, we live in a instant noodles era, <laughs> so we have to um, keep it as quick as possible. I wouldn't say that um, the the um, you know what the t- attention span is reduced, but the point is we are not saying things differently and we are not resonating with them instantly. That's the problem. You know, if we can talk specifically to something that they are going after, um, for example, instead of telling them that you're going to drive revenue, they already know that. In sense, like inside the company, they must have already discussed that in this quarter, if we have to hit these numbers, then these are the kind of things that we need to be doing. They would have decided that, so that would in turn mean I, um, you know, I'm either going to invest on this product or I'm going to invest on this coaching or these kind of programs, or I'm going to invest on uh, certain trainings or whatever. Now they've decided that this investing on your product is going to give them a 25% increase in X, Y, and Z. Your story of saying, hey, we'll give you a 25% increase is not going to uh, do much. It's like they know. They have figured it out. They have listed two or three uh, competitors of yours and they wanted to compare and see. The whole point that you want to say at that point is, hey, here's how we are different and here's what we do that nobody else does and this is how we are going to solve your problem. Now, they are going to compare the three different approaches and whichever resonates closest to them, they're going to go with them. So it's about understanding the intent and getting cutting chase and getting to the point as quickly as possible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, especially in the tech space, like we've been talking about most of the podcasts, like websites in general, most of them in certain sectors look very similar. A lot of the messaging is very similar. A lot of the messaging is very vague. Um, yeah. Even when you get into product or service pages, they none of not many websites tend to leverage the things we've been talking about in terms of really talking about specific problems impact of problems and then getting to the point of kind of the transformation that they can bring yeah um is there anything else you think when creating this media whether it is kind of article or service or product pages on websites or whether it's a different format podcast video anything else you think that companies should consider so they can really stand out compared to their competitors that probably are just saying oh we're going to improve your revenue or we're going to help you lower costs just so they can kind of have a better chance of, yeah. I guess, building trust with their prospects. Yeah. 
So one of the things that you can do is like if you are a horizontal product that caters to multiple people and you have a plethora of features, consider somebody like HubSpot, for example, you know, they have four or five different products clubbed mm. into one ecosystem, right? So the point is more and more companies are becoming that all-in-one style. But when you think about it from a consumer standpoint, you know, you want the answer. Uh, you're not going to, oh, this, the, these guys offer all of these things. Now I have to go and check each of uh, each of these factors to replace all my tools. It's going to be one platform. That's fine. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't have the time for all of this. So flip the approach and uh, maybe say that, try this. You know, uh, it's, it's almost like uh, going into your uh, KFC or uh, McDonald's and saying that instead of giving you the menu card, it's just like giving you one chicken nugget and saying, hey, taste this. Tell me, what do you feel? That's a much simpler approach. Get the hook, get them in. And once it's, it's, it's under the thought process that if they like this, they're going to pretty much like everything that I have in my store. So be suggestive and start there rather than trying to establish that, hey, I'm this huge store that offers all of these things. They don't care. They primarily are trying to solve one thing that is top of their mind right now. So let them uh, lead with that. And then probably once they get the foot in, you land an expand. Mm. Mm. Nice, nice. So to wrap things up, going back to the initial conversation around point of view. So from my situation, Yag, and probably yours as well, like we, we both run businesses, so we're we're not under pressure from management or anything like that. We're very, very flexible. Like, for example, I can go onto LinkedIn today and I can quite literally post most SEO and web agencies suck. They're going to try and <laughs> pressure, pressure you into buying on demo calls, whereas I'll quite often go the opposite way and explain why we're not a good fit for 90% of companies. And yeah, yeah. Also explain that a lot of industries aren't a good match for SEO and they can go different models like outbound paid ads instead yeah. before they consider SEO. I, I can be very blunt. I can be very straight to the point with my messaging on our website or on, on other forms of media, but a lot of businesses can't because they've got a ton of red tape. Um, perhaps if they're a startup, they're a lot more flexible. Um, yep. Whereas if they're bigger organizations, they're going to have to go through a lot of paperwork, management, etc. So I guess what I'm asking at is, should you try and go super different to your competitors with your point of view? Yes or no? And if you do, is that a good thing? Or from your experience, what you've seen, and feel free to share any examples, could it could it harm you? Or is it generally a good thing to stand out? Right. So I would definitely say that it's better to stand out uh, and attract the right kind of audience uh, rather than um, trying to be like everyone else. Yes, it's not going to be easy. And um, especially in the initial stages of an organization, when you're working with a founder who is passionately built a product, it's going to be very difficult to convince because what you're trying to do is you're trying to entirely shrink their huge vision into a one line. And, uh, you know, you're going to often see them shrink in their seat. <laughs> and uh, it has happened quite a lot. But the reality is that, um, you know, it's it's about, it's not about what I want to say. You know, it's about how much I want to resonate with somebody else. In fact, uh, you're right. You know, when as an as an individual organization, you can do anything that you want. In fact, uh, on SaaS Prince website, I have said that, um, you know, we create content for B2B SaaS that have a point of view which pretty much means that if you don't have a point of view, I'll not work with you. <laughs> so uh, that's that's a whole different thing. But when you work with an organization, it's it's also about 
using that as an opportunity to uh, put out your approach and saying that this is how we look at things when there are uh, you know over a period of time every single product category is going to get commoditized and uh, at that point it's all about the people who have the same approach as yours are going to come to you um today if you look at it uh, when you're going and buying a shoe is you're going to think about it's you're not going to compare features you're just if you like reebok you're going to go with that if you like nike you're going to go with that or if you like puma you're going to go with that simple mm-hmm. as that so at that when it comes to that level over a period of time there is no feature comparison same thing in tech right so when somebody is uh, investing on uh, microsoft versus google they're not comparing feature to feature at that point they're saying that i like microsoft or i like google as simple as that but in and all of those things comes because everybody has established a certain kind of dna over a period of time and then that dna is what helps and in the beginning stages um the smaller your product the more easier it's for you to tell a unique story as you get bigger and bigger you have to handpick and say that this is my door opener versus uh this is what i offer once they come in so it's going to be changes in approach but i still will 100% stand by the fact that you have to have a point of view and mm-hmm. that's that's where you should go with completely agree completely agree i'll i'll share a quick story um so it's it's like creating content on linkedin right like now you can literally use chat gpt or anything like that and just post an <laughs> ai post but the chances are you can give ai a few prompts on what you want to talk about but the post is yeah. going to flop or get like two likes and one of those will be the company dog and one will be the md um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> whereas the people that actually do well on linkedin and by what do well i mean actually get engagement and um leads from their target market are quite literally doing what we've talked about in this episode so giving their own unique insights giving their contrary takes or making their predictions or using their own stories or their own conversations to influence kind of what they talk about and their 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 two cents on on their industry their niche um for example all the people that i've bought from personally and on linkedin has been because i follow their content for some time it wasn't them literally just saying like this is the problem we solve and this is our service it was them sharing their own in stories their own point of view their own ideas their own opinions on certain tactics what they thought was flawed in the market um and when when you see that kind of daily or weekly it's it slowly builds trust with you and you kind of think yeah i agree with their point of view i actually kind of agree with it's going to repel some people which is good because they might not be the best people to work with but likewise it's going to attract the people that will resonate with your messaging and will yeah. kind of think this person's got something interesting to Refund say. Refund Labs is a great example, right? So everybody has yeah. Chris Walker talk. I didn't want to say about... Chris Walker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and even in my personal uh, you know business, I've very clearly seen that a lot of people, you know, who have worked with me in the last 3 months or so, mm. um again, my company is just getting built, right? So um I'm very early in my journey, but all the people who have reached out to me inbound and started this conversation and the companies that I've started to work with is purely because of the relationships that have been built on LinkedIn and the yep. continuous point of view that I've been uh, that I've been putting out over the years. Sometimes it's like uh you know, a combination of both, right? So if yeah. as an organization you're not been out there for a long time, you're going to think that okay, let me do a good combination of capture and uh, demand generation for the future but when you're an individual and you've already invested you're going to see that okay can i capitalize on this so it's going to be a combination always agreed agreed good way to end yag thanks very much for the conversation sir appreciate the chat please do tell us more about how everyone tuning in can learn from you connect with you and a bit more about your your company and your website 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. First of all, Sam, I absolutely enjoyed uh, this conversation with you. So much fun. And for all the listeners over there, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just type YAAG and uh, you will find me there. My full name is Yagneshwaran Ganesh and my company's name is SAS Prince. It's S-A-A-S hyphen S-P-R-I-N-T-S dot com. So we do uh, content for B2B SaaS companies that have a point of view and I help them create um, written content as well as produce podcasts. So anything in the realm of B2B content, reach out to me and I'll, happy, I'll be happy to talk to you. Legend. Thanks once again for the chat, Yag. Thank you so much. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel is appreciated. Or if you're on YouTube, a subscribe goes a long way. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one. All of Yag's links will be on the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And we'll catch you on the next one. Cheers for tuning in.